Let's pray. Lord God, again, as we contemplate your word, Lord, we Lord, ask you to open our hearts to it, Lord. Uh, speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help me uh, not to say anything wrong, and uh, Lord, just um, bless us with your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So a, th- a few things were going on in the gospel uh, story simultaneously. Uh, one was that Jesus was being presented to God, the firstborn male that opened the womb according to Exodus uh, 13. And two, Mary was being ceremonially purified after childbirth by offering the required sacrifice at the specified time. The two turtle doves and, or two pigeons uh, were for Mary's uh, purification in lieu of a lamb because she was poor. And we have to go back to the Old Testament, to Leviticus 12, to understand that the bird sacrifices uh, were for Mary and not Jesus, because Luke doesn't explain that. Uh, If we go back to the Old Testament to see what Jesus' presentation in the temple consisted of, it's a bit confusing. Uh, The cross-reference that I have in my Bible led me to Exodus 13, where we can read the following uh, what God uh, spoke uh, to Moses. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Later on, he goes on, set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, all the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. You see, donkeys were classified unclean because they didn't have the cloven hooves and, or they didn't chew the cud. Um, and one could buy, um, uh, buy it back by exchanging a lamb for it, or you had the other choice, of course, to, to kill it. But the donkey itself could not pre- be presented to the Lord because it was a not, not an, a clean animal in the classification of clean and un, unclean. And God goes on, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So there was no choice there. The man child had to be redeemed. But unlike the donkey, the firstborn male was presented to the Lord. And God goes on to explain the ritual in verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time, in time to come, saying, what is this? Or what's this mean? That you shall say to him, by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us, by strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In other words, their liberty was by God's doing and by God's doing alone, by the strength of his hand. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was, God's going on, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn man and the firstborn beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So that was what the Israelite men were supposed to tell 
to their sons when they went through this process. You see, God had won them from Pharaoh, from the slavery of Egypt, so they were truly gods now. Now, it doesn't say in this passage from Exodus what the firstborn sons were being redeemed with, but I've always assumed from the context of that first passage that I read in Exodus that like the donkey, it was also a lamb. And I think that is supported by the fact that the blood of the Passover lamb uh, was put on the Israelites' home house door uh, posts to save the lives of the firstborn males there uh, when, when the destruction happened. Unlike the donkeys, the firstborn human males, of course, were sons of God's holy people and had already even been circumcised at this point. So it was not that they were unclean ceremonially that required them to be redeemed. It was simply that they could not be killed or, or given into God's service um, at this point because they were human beings after all and they were made in the image of God. And on top of that, it was not as simple as, as handing over some offspring from an animal that God had blessed you with. It would be handing over part of yourself that meant everything to you, the best of you, even your future security. The lamb for the donkey had been an exchange of the unclean and unholy for something clean and holy, but it was still the giving to God what was already his. And the same with the firstborn, it was giving to God what was already his and whatever it was redeemed with was not um, a true value exchange because uh, of course a, a lamb for a child no that that couldn't be this was all about them and their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt by God's hand and there was no doubt a sense of gratitude for the provision that God made in this redemption and even for him requiring such a small redemption cost for their firstborn sons. And there may also be a hint that humans, um, perhaps like uh, the donkey, were not holy enough, even when consecrated, to serve God without further purification. We can see in Exodus 13 that the presentation of the firstborn male was required of God from every family in Israel who had a firstborn male. Firstborn males were gods. God had claimed them and they were to be presented to him one month after they were born and then right away redeemed uh, back. So, so it reminded Israel that God acted on their behalf, reclaiming them from Egypt when he delivered them from the bondage and abuse that they had suffered under Pharaoh. He reclaimed them as his own and he put them under his own care. And it also reminded Israel that every firstborn male of Israel would have been destroyed along with the Egyptian firstborn had it not been for God's provision, for God's prescribed lamb who was sacrificed the night before, or the night of, whose blood was put on the doorpost, identifying the Israelites as God's own property. But again, we cannot overlook the fact that humans were uh, placed in the same classification 
uh, as the unclean donkey needing to be redeemed. But then after that, this is where it really gets confusing because when we go on into numbers, we see something new happening uh, with, with all of this. In Numbers 3, 12 to 13, and that was when God said, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opened the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. And God explains again what he ex had explained in Exodus about how uh, all the, the firstborn became his. He says, on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. So that act of God set apart Israel's firstborn for God from that point on until this new point when all the Levites, and this is not just their firstborn anymore, it's all the Levites, um, were taking the place of every firstborn male in Israel. And that had its origins back, uh, back with the Levites standing with Moses uh, during the Exodus it, when, um, when Moses was on the mountain and came down to find all of uh, the people of Israel worshiping uh, the golden image of the calf. And Moses said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And the Levites, Moses' own tribe, they all went to him and stood with the Lord. And they went on to slay 3,000 of the offenders. And that's how the Lord set them apart to take that their place. Now let's look further at Numbers 3, continuing from uh, verse 44. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and all the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine, I am the Lord. And for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of Israel, who are more than the number of Levites, you shall take five shekels for each one individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras, and you shall give the money with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites. And that's a key. So from that passage of scripture and from Romans uh, and from Numbers 18:16, it seems that the cost of redemption was five shekels. And we might assume, as, as most scholars seem to do, as I was uh, looking through a few commentaries preparing this, that Jesus was redeemed um, by five shekels. And, and that, of course, became the, the Jewish tradition and still is to this day. But we can 
clearly see from the first passage that we read that the five shekels was for the Israelite firstborn who exceeded the number of Levites. And it also seems that the firstborn non-Levitical Israelites were presented but generally regarded as redeemed by a Levite who would serve in the temple. And furthermore, in Leviticus 27.8, when God is commanding Moses about the persons who were presented to God, he tells him, but if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for him. And of course, we know um, Joseph and Mary were poor, and the, the person could present himself later on according to the ability of him who vowed the priest shall value him. So the five shekel rule was not always applied. And if the man Simeon, and this is where our, our story gets interesting, if, if he happened to be a, a priest, which is not necessarily so, but could very well be, then it's a whole other matter altogether. If he was, um, I, I think Luke would have mentioned, um, if Jesus was redeemed by five shekels, he would have mentioned it along with the offering that he mentioned for, for Mary. Um, but of course, we know that Jesus was always God's. Jesus always belonged to God the Father, and of course. And if he was redeemed at all, if Jesus was, with anyone or anything, then it would only be so that he could later on offer himself on the cross to redeem the whole world from sin and from the devil. Jesus was presented to God, I believe, much like Hannah presented Samuel. So, so here, here's this family, this, this family with this newborn son. And they're at the temple and they're coming to do the things that were prescribed by the law. And I want to read it again, if we can, from Luke 2.25. That was just a big background. <laughs> and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him up, took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, and the glory of your people Israel. What Simeon said comes from a few places. It comes from Isaiah 42, and it reflects what God had said about Jesus many years before Jesus was born. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and you will hold your hand, and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people 
as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Just like uh, he did with his people Israel from Egypt. And it also reflects what God said about Jesus in Isaiah 49. Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob, to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Simeon knows exactly who that is. That's this child Jesus, and he's thrilled. And I... And Many other passages, Isaiah 9, 1 to 7, Isaiah 60, 1 to 7, um, like we read last week, and many other scriptures could also be included in, in, in what Simeon said. Now I'll go down to verse uh, 33 of our gospel message. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, of Jesus it was just as they marveled at what the shepherds had said in Luke 2.19. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will, pass, will pierce your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, Mary, of course, would would understand what that meant uh, 30 years later. But then the story goes on to speak about Anna. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for the redemption of Israel. Again, it's that, that theme. And this is so significant that, this, that the, the young couple, Jesus's um, um, mother and adoptive father, uh, came to the temple to offer the prescribed offerings for Mary's own ceremonial cleansing and for the presentation of, of Mary's firstborn son, Jesus, who was, of course, the Son of God. And they made that presentation to God at the same time as the purification um, of, of Mary. And this prophetess, Anna, who lived in the temple, came at the very same time and gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Jesus just like Simeon had to everyone who looked for the redemption, uh, in, who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She prophetically pointed to the baby Jesus as the one who would actually do the redeeming of everyone. You know, six months um, earlier, Zechariah had prophesied uh, something about his own son John. He said, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sins, through the tender mercy of our God, which, with which the day spring 
from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. That too was from Isaiah, Isaiah 9-2. To guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, Jesus at that point was not yet born. But he was already alive in his mother Mary's womb. The day spring from on high was already there among them. The angel too had said this to Zechariah that his son John would go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The, that prophecy had previously been recorded by Malachi, what the angel had said, some 500 years before Christ was born. Malachi wrote, uh, wrote for God. He, he wrote, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So you see, it was like the, the death angel was, was ready to come. But God again provided the Passover lamb in providing Jesus. And reading that, I cannot help uh, but think not only of Zachariah and his son John and, and Jesus and his adoptive father, but also of God the Father and his only begotten son and all that is going on with this father-child uh, relationship. Uh, thanks to them, we too were redeemed and reclaimed by the obedience um, of, of, of Jesus to his father in all of this and in those faithful people to prophesy uh, these things so that we too could see the big picture. If we look way back at the Garden of Eden as well and look at original sin and God killing an animal to cover the guilt of our fallen ancestors and making that exchange um, that could be perhaps too regarded as the same thing. Um, and also, of course, it pointed ahead to Jesus redeeming us and the great plan of God. We, like Israel, were taken captive by the devil and by sin, and we too were redeemed by Jesus on the cross, thanks to God. And we celebrate that today in communion. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we, we come to you in, in awe of this great plan. And Lord, so much that is uh, even hidden until, uh, until you reveal it to us of how you redeemed us and how that was your plan from the very beginning. We thank you. We thank you for that redemption. We thank you for Jesus and uh, his sacrifice for us. And we, we come to, to you now in, in, in thanksgiving of, of prayer and, and, and of receiving Lord, uh, your body and blood, thank you. Amen.